0: Welcome, Jabs, and thank you for your time already. Uh, no problem. Can you just tell me who you are, uh, your name, your role, your organisation, where you're based?
1: My is Jabi Maseko, and I'm based in London at Social Investment Business, um, which is a uh, intermediary, social finance intermediary.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, and we're going straight in. So, what does the term cultural representation or representation mean to you?
1: Um, so, for me, it's it's lo- it's, it's lo- it means loads of things. What it looks like, it looks like loads of things. Because as, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a mix of many different cultures. So, uh, the cultural representation is. It, to me, it just it looks like everything that I know and have grown up with, it, lo- it should look like that. Uh, it means that, so within the workplace, it means that people, I don't feel excluded or different mm. because there's people that look like me, that sound like me, that know what I'm talking about, when I talk about my food or when I talk about my music, uh, people I can relate to. Uh, and so that, yeah, that's what that means to me in the workplace, cultural representation
0: okay thank you and what does the term dominant cultural bias mean to you mm, dominant
1: cult, dominant cultural bias it what it looks like to me is kind of my everyday life really working in uh in central london where um people don't look like me they don't speak like me uh, we don't have the same education um despite living and growing up in the same city, uh, everything is, uh, all of our, lots of our upbringing has been completely different because of money, because of schooling, because of religion, uh, experiences around police, around hospitals, uh, around all the things that really make you uh, who you are and give you the experiences that, ch- that change your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Basically, yeah, like, so basically what I'm surrounded by. Um, an idea a kind of general idea across people even people that look different but, but across people just across people with the majority of people uh the biases around minorities and um uh, my, minority yeah, minority groups basically marginalized groups dominant cultural bias um what that looks like to me in the workplace, for instance, is the comment that I was. Uh, uh, my, somebody in my workplace has told me over three or four times, actually, that they, they used to smoke weed in a very suggestive
0: mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm.
1: as if uh, it was something that we may be able to relate on. Now, I don't for a second think that they didn't, that they asked uh, my white middle class counterpart the same question uh, uh, but, you know there's someone that sits next to me and does the same job as me and mm-hmm. uh, i don't i don't and so that so that and that kind of dominant bias uh it is Is everywhere it's in every single thing that i do it's it's where, it's in the surprise in people's voices when i tell people i'm vegetarian yeah. it's
0: it's
1: in the surprise in um it's it's in the desperateness in my director's voice when we're talking about race to ask me to speak up first and what my mm. opinion is mm-hmm. it's uh it's yeah so it's very much um embedded in 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 my work
0: mm.
1: and well, in in my city
0: yeah and pervades a lot of environments or maybe even all it could be argued for mm. Okay. Cool. Uh, and you've started, I suppose, on on the next point. Uh, so it's. Can you share any examples of when you may have witnessed, experienced, or contributed to some of these biases throughout your life? Mm. So I know it's um, threefold. So witnessed, experienced. Yeah. Witness. Biases.
1: So yeah. So I've. So witness for me would be kind of just really uh spending a lot of time witnessing very insensitive so it's very strange these kind of comments that are supposed to be or i'm assuming i'd like to think that comments made by individuals that are wanting to be inclusive and wanting to be um yeah to be inclusive and want things that they say to not be naive and to not be biased actually doing the complete opposite with with what they say in the comments that they make Mm -hmm. um and i'm not gonna penalize. i'm not gonna well i mean i could say that just one uh one example that isn't is it's insulting but it wasn't meant to be insulting but it's kind of they're the kind of that's the kind of narrative across my my working space so just kind of asking the only asking someone muslim for instance in the in the team about someone else muslim in the team because they must know because they're the only other muslim in the team and so obviously their opinions uh would be the same not so yeah so basically uh, that kind of uh, that kind of thing and just kind of hearing it happen across the workspace or you know hearing kind of really naive comments that lots of people roll their eyes out and go, oh, well, you're naive. But actually the person that uh, they're making assumptions about or whatever is, is the one that's most, um, it's, it's, it's abusive, basically, it's, it's abusive.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. And so moving on, what do you think uh, some of the symptoms of lack of cultural representation within organisations, within, yeah, within the funding sector
1: specifically, if you like? Well, just, just, just that, just that, I think. So, yeah, I think because that, that bias is, um, it's actually a culture that it's in itself. Um, It's that that's the kind of behavior. So, so little microaggressions that people that are very abusive to someone who's marginalized, um, to someone who, you know, people kind of saying, uh, I say, for instance, I'm 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 working class. People saying things like, "If you need, if you want the cheaper version, or if you need the cheaper version, here you can get it." Or if you're trying to save some money, you know, talking about a product that they might have bought themselves, but kind of telling me that it's, I can buy it from a different place and it'll be cheaper.
0: Yeah, if it's uh, well, I'm they already know
1: exactly, exactly, and they of course know how much I've got to spend on yeah. what I want to buy, and so they've made, and that is that culture is very much a symptom of uh of this bias that kind of those kind of like idiotic comments really to be honest and insensitivities around uh you know another example then going back to the last, last question was like uh, um someone saying i don't know how these p- people these people so these these one of the my biggest Hates is the these people, mm-hmm. and in grant making, we describe people, we describe organisations, we describe beneficiaries as beneficiaries or these people, and as we're constantly um, we're constantly using othering terms um, as a way, and it's it, as a way of redefining our power. I think I think that's really where it comes from um just embedding that culture from all the way from the ceo and director down to or not down to but you know all the way to a more uh to the to the security at the door of Mm. of of the office building we're referring to all the others as beneficiaries you know even you know it's it's a culture that's throughout the organization so it's And that again is a symptom, or is it? Is it is it a symptom, or is it a? um, I suppose it's a symptom, but maybe it's a cause as well. Of the cause of these kind of bad attitudes and these uh, biases comes from this that kind of language. You know, stepping into a space and uh, seeing people, seeing people as people, and then walking into a space and talking about them for two hours about as these people and them. Mm-hmm. it it just it can just really change and affect the way you you think and feel about people and treat people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh so what are some of the approaches and system changes needed to improve or widen cultural representation?
1: So in the within my organization?
0: Within the, yeah your organization, within And the sector. The sector as a whole, yeah think might go across the board
1: well I think like so just going back back to last to my last answer then I think this idea of othering has to be really looked at um, I think there's there's something to be said for uh, an, in, uh, an industry or a sector if you like that that is built of on supporting people um, but is also built off of people's misfortune, right? Let's just be honest, because mm-hmm. it, it, it wouldn't exist if we weren't supporting people that need support organizations that need support. So, just really looking back, you know, for, to, all the way back to where that comes from and unweaving it and making it make sense to the people that need it the most. Um, because it has been, a, it has, it has, it looks to me like, and being bang in the middle of it. It looks like a, a big um, mess, really, of others, of otherings, just all of that. There's one small select group of people that understand how others work and understand what others need. And, you know, and that, I think, has been the been way from the beginning. And I said system change, I would say system, I'd say reform. Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's what I'd say. And What that looks like, I mean, that looks like blind recruitment. That looks like bottom-up uh, evaluation. That looks like uh, that looks like services service users evaluating, being empowered to evaluate their own what the support that they're getting and whether it works for them in their communities, um, and empower, empowering them to do that in a way that is productive, in a way that will give us way more learning than we've ever had before because the evaluation is not happening at university level by whatever groups or not happening um because we want it to happen because we we're not going to give you your next load of money if it doesn't but actually are we learning about what communities need are we are are we going to them with the money um rather than asking them to come to us for the money um are we yeah, I mean it's yeah system so yeah system reform completely uh, yeah I, I, and there's loads of difference. I mean that varies and I mean it looks like like I said it looks like different recruitment. It looks like uh, uh, evaluating differently. It looks like thinking about theory of change and what who are they for and who what do they mean. Um, it, it looks at people, humans, as opposed to beneficiaries. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, So, again, building on that, what are some of the benefits of widening cultural representation within organisations?
1: Accountability. I think we've got a massive culture. I think the culture at the moment in the sector and the grant making in the charity sector is that, uh, that we've discussed this before is that basically everybody has to have all, the, all of the big funders, for instance, have to have, have all the answers. They think they have all the answers. They won't say they haven't got all the answers and they won't say they're not doing things right. So you can't learn anything. Uh, so the benefits of, of, of having people that want to be held accountable because they're from the communities. Mm. They want it to work they don't want to just act like they know what they know and that's it and the same that was what was what was 10 years ago is the same now they don't they're not interested in that there uh, there's a much more uh, there'll be a much more need for or well, there is a need for uh, this emotion emotion in, across the sector that's not original that what hasn't been there that i don't see uh, really in especially in in leadership teams because and 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 i mean it doesn't mean that they're not great people and they're not their their intentions aren't great but how can you be Mm. all the way emotionally invested in something when you don't understand it and when you're not part of it Mm. so like and i just think that that just changes everything and it doesn't just start with women i'm afraid because there are lots of women across the sector uh doing really amazing wonderful things but we don't just go okay well we're half now 70 percent of our staff are women we must have emotions we must have emotion embedded in our work we must know what we're doing Mm. no now, are the, do the women look and talk like the beneficiaries we speak about? Do they understand the issues that those people face? Yeah, so I think, what what what, what was the question? So what would it look like to me, or what are the benefits no, of it?
0: Some of the benefits of widening cultural representation within organisations.
1: Yeah, so the benefits are emotion, productivity, uh, um, real real support really what the sector claims to do actually starting to happen mm. you know like accountability and i don't think benefits i think when we talk about especially in the, in the charitable sector when we talk about accountability we're often talking about small organizations and them not holding themselves accountable for the money that they've just had from us which is bollock so which isn't right mm. uh when we talk about accountability we talk about beneficiaries being accountable um but we don't talk about us being accountable for where we put our money and how we support, you know, we don't, you know, we, we just don't do that. We're not having huge, we're supposed to be having huge, huge internal conversations first, you know, fix your house before you fix anyone else's that kind of, uh, so I think accountability it would be a very positive thing and, uh, and we'd benefit and want to be one of the benefits of cultural, um, cultural representation.
0: Thank you. What's the key drawback of doing nothing
1: well it's just a bit of the same i think the key drawback of doing nothing
0: yeah for organizations to to leave it as it is as we stand today and do nothing to to get that which
1: i think we i think the fear, if we stay the same, is that we just what well, we don't change and we don't is that we we stay the same. But I suppose I think what we're up against is a capitalist world uh, and system that is that we very much fit into very nicely at this point. And so what we're then looking at is not just a system change inwardly and within the sector, but actually a system change uh, internationally and politically and and then what that looks like i mean that's a much bigger task but I, mean, I think we fit like i said as a sector we fix our own house and we can influence i mean the charity sector is one of the sectors that has actually a huge amount of influence at a, at a political level um and i just you know we we are paid huge amounts of money and bid for huge amounts of money and win huge amounts of money based on evaluation and learning um but it seems like we're giving we keep giving back the same answers we're not getting the same answers from the communities because communities change. Communities know what they need and they change and they let us know what they need when they change. And they just do. But we're giving back the same answers because why? Because we fit in quite neatly into this into this capitalist uh, political system. So so yeah, so that is our I think that's our biggest challenge, and that's where some people will be complacent and some organizations will be just complacent and happy to sit in what we're doing and just you know tell ourselves we're doing good work um and and that's it but yeah i think i think uh that's that would be our i think that's our biggest challenge and also Mm. i don't know how to finish i think that's that yeah I think, we're, I think our biggest challenge is that the system, the, the sector doesn't want to change. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. I feel much, uh, it feels easier when I'm having a conversation.
0: Yeah, I know. I'd love to get involved, <laughs> but I'd have to cut it out. Yeah, so coming up to the end, what, what steps could your or any organisation take to improve, mm. challenge, and tackle any dominant cultural bias.
1: Well, like I, like so, going back to the, uh, my last answer, I think that as a sector, as a cha- as a, as a sector, like I said, we have huge um, influence power, influencing power in politics, and we actually just do. We're a small sector with lots and lots and lots of networks uh, through Parliament. Uh, so say, so in the UK, and maybe let's not look at it globally, but in the UK, we are we, sh, we sh move huge amounts of money into the hands of small charities. But we don't play, our, as far as I'm concerned, our part to play is, is to get all the learning that we need and to actually share it and, and actually do something with it, uh, create networks and platforms uh, for small organisations to get together, to share information, to share learning, uh, so that's what, I mean, it would very much start with, start with that for me, it would, it would look like uh, big forums and networks of different charities from different sectors getting together, sharing information, funders there to learn and not to um, glamorise what they've got to offer so that people apply, but to, to, to learn what can we take from this and give to parliament to influence policy Uh, we should we should when we have grant agreements as far as I'm concerned a grant agreement should not just be about what the grantee um, is going to agree on in order for us to give them money Uh, I think half of the contract should be about what we can offer the grantee um, and not just we promise to give you the money when you give us the answers but um, we promise to support in the support to the kind of learning that you get from the you work for your work and we, we want to support you for instance as a youth organization that's got all this learning that doesn't know what to do with it because you just want to get you just want to get the money that you need to survive we're going to take all of that for you we're going to pay university to put it into some very uh like a very clever piece of, of report writing and we're going to get take that into parliament and we're going to make a noise about it and we're going to help we're going to not just make impact reports for ourselves um just to make ourselves look pretty uh, but we're gonna do impact reports for small organizations that haven't got access to any of that kind of publishing writers um you know so that they can show their local authorities so they can show parliament what they're doing uh, i think we should just i think that's what that would look like for me again recruit recruitment internally but of grantees as well like i think we should just be uh, I don't think I don't I really don't like this kind of sit back and, and come to us approach. I feel like if we I feel like we should be bidding for money that we know is needed on the streets. First of all, finding out we've got a huge amounts of money. We should be finding out where going out there asking on the streets where does our money need to be spent. And then we should mm-hmm. bid for that exact money. Mm-hmm. And then we should we should draw out uh assessment process that works for where the money is needed. Uh um and 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 then we should we should evaluate the work alongside the um, the providers and make it and make it and make it make it count so okay, yeah thank you
0: thank you all right thanks jobs uh yeah. yeah anything else you'd like to say that's prompted from discussions or anything else you'd like to say
1: yes, and another thing I'd say is uh, especially in oh I would what would I say? I'd say that there there needs to be a massive shift in what we look like to so not just uh, not just rate like racially or demographically, well yeah, but demographs. I think that say for instance my office that's in central London, I think my office should be split into four buildings and should be put in some of the most uh needy communities mm. um we should be split it might not be convenient convenient it might not be comfortable we should be split we should be working in communities we're supporting i currently work in Suffolk, where i get my train and i'm very comfortable and we move the homeless people from out front i work for a charity you
0: know mm-hmm. we should be
1: on we should be putting money uh, into the hands, say for instance, of local authorities that own rundown buildings in communities um, outside of posh places like Southwark and Central City of London. You know, we should be putting money into Harringay Council, we should be putting money into Lewisham Council, into Croydon Council's hands, so that we can reopen buildings. We should be looking about, uh, looking at doing our work differently, even down to the buildings that we sit in.
0: Cool thank you jobs okay and thank you for your time and said peace
1: thanks manny